Romans chapter 12. We'll go back to Romans chapter 12 this morning and we'll begin reading in verse 9. We'll go through 21, 9 to 21 in Romans chapter 12. Still talking about the marks of a Christian or the characteristics of a true Christian. Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Marks of a true Christian. A lot of times we get um, caught up in reading scripture and reading our Bible and we lose sight of the fact that just like this this book of Romans, this letter that Paul was writing to the Roman church, that these are instructions to the church. We kind of got in a little discussion this morning in Sunday school about the difference in the way things are handled when you're handling it inside the church versus when you're handling it out in the world. There's a different means of going about things and this letter is to a church. Don't ever, don't ever lose sight of that when you're reading these things. So these marks of a true Christian, this isn't what we take outside the walls and try to lead people out in the world to act the way that this says. It won't work. They can't do it. This is for Christians. This is for God's people. This is for followers of Christ, believers. This is for the church. These are marks that we should see. Now, last week was kind of a little bit general when he started off with, let love be genuine. And we, and we, use, we cast that as a genuine, uh, a general description of the genuineness of our love, whether it be with our spouse, with our brothers, with total strangers. This week, it kind of gets a little more specific to the church. And Paul is directly talking to us as a church. And these are marks or these are characteristics that you will display if you truly are a Christian. No, no question about it. Not optional. And he starts off where we're going to start off in verse 10 this morning. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Now this isn't that general scope that we talked about last week about loving everybody. This is specific interaction between fellow members or brothers and sisters inside the church. Listen to this quote. Don't give me credit for this. I just found it. All right, I ain't smart enough for stuff like this, okay? So don't get excited when y'all hear this. I didn't, I didn't come up with it. I just found it. Listen. Relationships in the church 
marked by love, are the fruit of faith. I'm going to do that again. Relationships in the church marked by love are the fruit of faith. In other words, you can be identified as a true Christian, a follower of Christ, based on your relationships inside the church. If your relationships inside the church, your relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ are marked by love, that is a fruit of faith. That is evidence of your faith. So if that's missing, the opposite is true, right? If we're going to hold on to that and, and amen behind the, the fruits, the, the, the Christian relationships marked by love are fruits of faith, then the lack of those relationships marked by love is a lack of faith, Right? Man, that's hard this morning. But it's, it's what Paul's trying to get us to understand. That, you know, we, we strive, and, and, and I get tore all to pieces about certain something happened this week, and I just went, a, a church, a Baptist church, called a transgender pastor this week. And I sat down with this scripture, and, and I look at it, and I read through it, and for the life of me, I cannot understand how anybody can sit down with this same scripture and walk away thinking that that's okay. I don't get. I don't understand it. I can't for the life of me. I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't get it. I don't understand how we live the way we live and we proclaim this word of God. There's no way. And I get so broke down and tore up and upset, and especially when it's things going on inside the church, and I just sit around and rack my brain, and, and I, I thankfully, I, I had a, a, a fairly end of the week wasn't just terrible. Thursday and Friday, I had a little bit of time to think. I was, I was in the woods. I was by myself for the most part, except for the guy that came and brought me pizza. <laughs> right out in the middle of nowhere. Just saying that happened this week. You just never know when you do what I do. Dude just showed up. And I was out there by myself. I was 700 miles from, from reality. It's where Amanda's people dwell. <laughs> no, seriously, her people live down there where I was at. <laughs> and it's back off of anything. In the, there's a road, but it looks more like a pig path. And it's just this random once-in-a-while vehicle that comes by. And I was down there Friday evening. And I was actually, this stuff was on my mind. I was by myself. I, it was just me and the machine. I had a little pretty simple task. I'd done, done all the hard work for the day. I was just there to put it back together. Um, and, and, and I heard a vehicle, and I looked up, and this guy comes walking up the trail. Of course, I make sure, you know, where my piece is because, I mean, I'm out here in the woods by myself, and I don't want to beat this guy with a hammer, but if I can get a shot off, you know. And, uh, I mean, he's a big dude. He comes, you know, he, he walked up there like this. And I thought, well, calm down, cuz. And, uh. We all got guns, you ain't got to show them, you know. And then he walks up, and we kind of, I introduce myself, and we're standing there talking, and, and uh, come to find out he's the guy that owns the property I was on. I was working for some loggers, and, and the guy that owned the place. And we stood around there and talked and chit-chat for a little while, and, and uh, he said, you want some pizza? <laughs> you know, I mean, I ain't going to say no. I mean, I hate to... 
He said, well, I really got stopped and got pizza for the, the guys, you know, that's been working up here, but they're obviously done gone home, and I can't eat a whole pizza. And I, oh, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Lightweight, <laughs> right? So anyway, he left it there. So during all the, he gets gone, and I get back to my thought process, and I'll get back to what I was getting at here. I had that time where I was by myself, and I was out in the woods, and, and there's nothing going on, and, and just a kind of a thoughtless process that I was going through of putting this machine back together. And, and these things started running through my mind. Of, I, I just can't get my mind wrapped around how we, not, 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 not we as a society, how we as a church, how we that claim to be Christians can sit down with the Word of God and not understand that just because you call it a lifestyle, it's not okay. It's not okay. God's not okay with it. And it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter how I feel about it. It doesn't matter if it's at my house or if it's at your house. It's not okay. At what point do you and I get back to the place where we call sin, sin, period? If the Bible says it's sin, we call it sin and we quit getting cozy with it. Brotherly affection or brotherly love is what we're supposed to have going between us. Sometimes love, brotherly love, causes me to point at something that hurts your feelings. But I've got to love you enough to stand on the truth of God's Word to see you set free from your sin. I, we talked about it this morning in Sunday school, and, and, and I described it like this, as a, as a wasp nest. Everybody's, everybody's seen a wasp nest, right? They start out small. One or two wasps and, and one or two of them little holes in them. Right? And if you leave that thing alone, say it's over there in the corner and it's behind that speaker, and we go, you know what, you'll get stung messing with that thing. I ain't messing with it. And you just leave it alone. You don't do nothing to it. You don't do nothing to support it. You don't feed it. You don't do anything, but you don't remove it. If you come back in a couple of weeks, what's happened to that wasp nest? It gets bigger. And at that point, you, you, you decide, well, I mean, there's so many of them now. I mean, I hate to stir that up, Right? Right? And you let that lay and what happens? It just keeps getting bigger. Sin amongst us is the same thing. If you don't address it as a small thing, it's not going away. It's just going to lay there and get bigger. And over time, you're going to look up and go, my goodness, how'd that get amongst us? You didn't address it when it was this big. What you think was going to happen? It just grows. I got a hold of a wasp nest this week, Tuesday morning. My co-worker coming in and said, come here, you'll see something awesome. Uh, I don't know, do I? He said, yeah, come check this out. We've got a storage trailer out back. And I, I, we didn't even get to it, and I could see it. I said, <laughs> he said, I was standing in here yesterday morning. My, my, his grandfather, our boss, sent him out there to get some parts out of that trailer. And he said, I was standing there looking for it, and this wasp come by me. And he said, I just did this. And he said, when I did, I promise you, I was bigger than a softball. Thousands of wasps right above it, straight above his head. Of course, he struck out like a 12 year old girl and, and told his boss, You can go get them parts. I ain't going in there. So I went out there the next morning real early and I said, Dillard, why didn't, why didn't you kill him? No, I ain't messing with that. Why not? I don't, I'm not getting stung. 
I said, well, what you, what's going to happen if we don't do anything? You'll kill him. We, we have that mentality when we see things going on in our church. We go, I'm not messing with that. I'm not stirring that up. I'm not getting stung. Right? We'll let Kevin handle that. We'll let Nick get that. Right? That's, what, that's our mindset. That's exactly how we think. Listen, that's not brotherly love. No, what you're doing is allowing a person to remain in a place that is detrimental to their spiritual well-being. You're doing the opposite of loving them. You're killing them. Brotherly affection. The relationships that you have between one another is a mark of your Christianity. True Christianity. How you you function... Listen, I know everybody's not easy to get along with. I'm one of those people. I know that. I get it. Okay? But listen, you're told you have to love me. Right? Right? Yeah, y'all get starting to sink in. Right. Yeah, now. Right. Your relationships identify. Not just you as, as personally, and how, but your relationships, how you interact with other people in difficult situations are evidence of your faith or lack thereof. I know everybody's not easy to get along with, but it's in those difficult situations where we find out where we really stand. And I'm saying, I'm saying we, I'm saying me. I find out where I really am because sometimes I get to thinking I got this thing whooped and God puts me in a scenario and I walk away scratching my head going, boy, I failed that, didn't I? Right? Ain't that the truth for all of us? Look, we're called to this. We're told that it's all about how we respond, whether that, that brother's in an offense or whether that brother is, is just walking his normal life or whether there's something going on that you know about. It's how you respond and react to one another inside the church that helps define your faith or lack thereof. These are marks of a true Christian. And your brotherly affection, your brotherly love, how you respond to other people. Let's look at this in a a, a different way here. He goes on to say, outdo, right? Outdo one another. Outdo each other. In showing honor. Now I'm just going to go on and lay this out for you. That's going to be tough. (laughs) Because at the root of you, at the heart of me, at the center, at my core, I'm selfish. And I want all the attention. And you're selfish. And you want all the attention. It's, It's who you are. You were, you were born that way. And it's what we're trying to overcome. That's why this is here. Because in order for you to be able to outdo one another in showing honor, you're going to have to overcome selfish you. You're going to have to let selfish you die and Christ rise inside of you and be led by the Spirit or you can't do this. Because at the core of you, you take a, just a straight up human being. I ain't talking about the most reckless, dangerous sinner you ever found. I'm just talking about the average being. Just the average person. 
and outdoing somebody in showing honor, that's going to be a tough call. That's going to be hard to handle. Because it doesn't just say show one another honor. That ain't what it says. It's a competition now. Which, by the way, I'm a fan of competition. If you can compete at it, I'm in. Except soccer, and that ain't really a sport. I just did that to make all y'all soccer people mad. I'm just kidding. That was just a joke. Outdo. Compete at it. Do it more often than other people do it to you. Show honor to other people. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Because what's going to be required of you to accomplish this command is humility. You're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to be humbled in order to outdo someone in showing honor. Look at this, Philippians 2, verse 1. So, if there is any... Now, this started off with so, and we've been pushing this really hard here lately. That's a connecting word. That means you're going to have to go back and get some context to have a full understanding of where we're at. Where, where, you, where we just came from, or what's pre-chapter 2, verse 1, is to live as Christ, or to let Christ live through you. So that, that's kind of where the mindset is, on starting right here in chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love as Christ, being in full accord and of one mind with your brothers, right? Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but listen to this, in humility count others more significant than yourselves. In humility count others more significant as you give them more honor than you and outdo them in doing so. Outdo one another in showing honor. Remember, this is about relationships inside the church, right? This is about how you react and respond to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I keep saying inside the church. I'm not talking about inside. Well, it starts here, but I'm talking about inside the whole church. Inside Christ's church, outdo one another in showing honor. Keep going on that. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, what? But also to the interests of others. Wow. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This ain't your normal mind. This ain't your regular self. This ain't your mindset. It's your mindset in Christ. If you're guided by the Spirit, you can get this mindset. If you're not guided by the Spirit, you cannot have this mindset. You know why? Because you're selfish. It's the opposite. The exact opposite of your default setting. Because your default setting is self. Self-preservation, right? 
Whatever I got to do to survive, whatever I got to do to move up, whatever I got to do to get to the next, whatever I got to do to make sure I'm took care of, I got to make sure mine are first. That's, that's natural to you. That's your default setting. When you forget everything else, that's where you return to. But you can be trained out of that through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But not, not in and of yourself. It's not in you to act this way. That's why these are marks of a true Christian. Because they can't exist outside of Christ. These traits can't be there. But with Christ is present, they must be on display. Because you are living in Christ. You are a representative of Christ as a true believer and follower of Christ. And what He wants to put on display is not what the world does, not how the world acts, not what comes natural to you, right? What He wants on display is His characteristics and things that can only be found in Him. You can't find this stuff nowhere else. You can read all the self-help books you want to on attitude and you ain't going to get trained up good enough to live this out. It's not going to work. It don't work that way. It has to be through the guidance of the indwelling Holy Spirit that you come across these traits. And it's also important that you recognize these things in other people so you can identify who is a true believer of Christ, a true follower of Christ, a genuine Christian. And you find that through recognizing the traits in them. In other words, you run into somebody and you can't outdo them in showing honor because they're better at it than you are. And you go, oh, what's this? Right? Because their mindset should be the same thing. You run across them and go, oh, how did he love me through that? Why did he not respond with, with fists of fury and, and words from Hades, Right? Because he's not living according to the world. You start to recognize it in other people. I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations, listen, just the nature of where I am in my job, just the nature of, of who people are and I just some of the rough tumble. I just deal with some, some rough folks. I mean, it takes a rough character to go out there in the tree with a chainsaw and knock, knock trees down and make logs out of them. I mean, it's just a rough bunch of people from time to time. Same thing in rock quarries and everywhere else I go. And I can't tell you how many times that I've went to a place for the, for the first or second time and get ready to leave and they go, what, does, what is, there's something different about you. What do you mean? Well, we've been around you for X amount of time and I ain't seen you throw, you're a mechanic, you're supposed to throw stuff. You're supposed to get mad and let stuff fly. You're supposed to cuss everything that don't go your way. And we ain't heard you get sideways. We ain't seen you throw nothing. We ain't heard no cuss words. What's different about you? Am I honest? This is honestly my response. I ain't no different than you except one thing. And his name's Jesus. If you want to hear more, I'll tell you. If you don't, I'll get in the truck and leave. I ain't going to force it on you. But I'm going to leave it out in front of you every time you see me. People recognize that difference. And it ain't nothing special. It's just that you don't look like the rest of the world. Right? It's just that you don't throw stuff and cuss things and, and, and sling ranches and spend more time hunting what you was doing. You know what I mean? Because you don't got mad and throwed it. I've been there. I've thrown stuff before. We used to have a race. I'm going to tell this story because my daddy's going to bust if I don't. We used to have a race car, a 69 Camaro, drag car, 67, I'm sorry, 67. 
Most of them don't know the difference in the 67 and 69, the vent wind and the stuff. 67 Camaro, orange. We had it jacked up, putting shocks on it. I was inside the wheel well, tire off of it, my head up there where the shock's at, and I'm holding a wrench. Big Daddy is up over the fender, standing probably on a milk crate. If y'all ever seen them blue milk crates, them things are tough, they'll hold him. And he's up on it on his tiptoes like this because the car's jacked up so I can get up in there, and he's working a ratchet. And the ratchet slips, and he goes, uh, right there. I mean, literally, pow, right in the mouth. Uh, what the world? The ratchet slipped. Okay, so I get back in there, right? Here's the genius side of me. I get back in there, and, and the reason I'm in there and not doing it like this is because everything's all rusted up and funky. And, and I mean, it's taking all I got to hold it, and it's all he's got to turn the ratchet. So I get back up in there, and this time I'm kind of like this. Pow! Right there. I come out, I slung the wrench, I said stuff I shouldn't say, and I told him what he could do with that shock, and I left. That's why he wanted me to tell y'all that, to let you know that I ain't always been this way. I have thrown stuff. I have said bad words. I've been there. It's been different in my life. But I can put my finger on a time when all that began to change. And I hope and I pray that you can do that. And listen to me. These marks and these traits, if the Spirit dwells inside of you, they exist. You've got to exercise them. It's got to be intentional. Because I can tell you, it's an easy thing to hit your hand and want to say things and throw things. It's, that's the easy route. But you've got to make a conscious decision to not be that person. Listen, these relationships between one another inside the church, it's crucial that we figure this out. Because what happens is, it's your and I call to go out into the world and take this gospel. But if those people out in the world are sitting back and looking at how people inside the church treat one another, and they don't see anything different than what they see on the street... They don't, they don't want to hear what you've got to say. They don't care what you've got to say. They're not interested in hearing it because they don't see no difference in that. But when they sit back and they see these marks, they see this brotherly affection, they see when a brother's down, somebody comes and picks them up. They see when somebody's in the wrong, instead of casting them out, they walk with them through correction. Then they look at that and go, wow, I've never seen that before. Then they want to hear what you've got to say. Then, then they go, I don't know what he's got. Boy, I'd like to try that sometime. But you've got to have it on display at all times because you never know who's looking. Let's keep going right here. Um, go on down to verse 11. In, back in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Oh my goodness. Here comes, here comes Montana stories. Do not be slothful in zeal. Do not be slothful. What is slothful? A quality or state of being lazy. A quality or state of being lazy. God don't like laziness. God don't like laziness. 
We have looked up, me and my daughter have looked up countless scriptures that make this point clear. Haven't we, dear? Yeah. And I let her define for herself how does God feel about laziness. And she goes, well, you know, where it says if you don't work, you don't eat, I think that pretty well says God don't like laziness at all. And I said, that's right, and that's why I'm trying to push you to not be lazy. Listen to this. Do not be lazy. Do not be slothful in zeal. Now, what is zeal? Zeal, as defined by Webster, is a strong feeling of interest. Enthusiasm that makes someone very eager or determined to do something. You got that? So don't be lazy in being fired up. <laughs> right? Don't get so comfortable with the gospel, with the things of God, that it has no effect on you anymore. Don't let your fire go out. Don't be slothful in zeal. The next one says, be fervent in spirit. Right? Have a relentless pursuit for spiritual things. Right? Be fired up about spiritual things. Don't be lazy about it. Don't be slothful about it. Be excited about it. Be fired up about it. Remember, this is a mark of a true Christian. So if these things identify us as Christian, the lack thereof would tell us there's a chance that it ain't there. Slothful in zeal? Don't be sloth. Don't be lazy. Don't, don't get comfortable, so comfortable with where you're at, you're just okay with letting it just happen. Don't be that way. Don't be that. Instead, be fervent. Be on fire. Be inspired in the Spirit. Be, be, be desiring of spiritual things. Don't look at church as a task. Don't, don't look at being at church and being involved in spiritual things as some kind of job. It's not a job. It's something you should desire. It, it should be what drives you to get from Sunday to Wednesday is to get there and be around them people and be in God's, in God's Word and be excited about it and fired up. And I'll come in here with your head down. Well, I made another week. Come on now. Come on, you can't, you can't let attendance be enough. If your goal is to go to church, you ain't got to come in. When you got in the parking lot, job well done, go back to the house. That can't be your goal. Your goal has to be your excitement to be around the people of God and the Word of God and doing the work of God. This finishes with serve the Lord. Your service is a mark of where you stand with God. And a lack thereof? Listen, I'm just telling you what it says. I'm just reading it to you. Because I'm just telling you what it says. Don't be lazy in your zeal. Be fired up, be fervent in the Spirit and serve the Lord. And you know what's the best way to serve the Lord? Is to serve His people. Right? To serve people. 
so many different ways that can be, can be displayed. But ain't none of them going to happen through laziness, right? Ain't none of them going to be done through the flesh. It's going to be spiritual. It's going to be a drive from within. It's going to be the Spirit just firing you up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be God pushing and coaxing and directing and you being sensible enough and spiritual enough to hear that coaxing and, and to feel that pushing and, and to pursue the things that are of God. Last week we talked about get away and let go of the things not of God. Hold on to the things of God. If, if it looks like godliness, don't let it go. Hang on to it. Lock into it. These are the marks of a true Christian. This, this is still about the behavior between Christian brothers and sisters inside the church. To be fired up about service, to be fired up about attendance, to be fired up about, about being in the presence of like-minded believers of Christ. Followers of Christ. Shouldn't be a drudge to get you to come to church. Nobody should have to prompt you to be here. You shouldn't have a list of excuses this long just in case somebody sends you a message and says they miss you. Right? Should be excited about being here and excited about being a part of these things. It's a mark, it's a characteristic of a true Christian, according to Paul. A characteristic. It'll be on display. We're going to have a, a time of invitation and I want, I want to encourage you to, 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 to self-evaluate. I want you to look at self and see where you stand. I want you to look at self and see where you fall in these things. Are you slothful? Are you, are you a person that at one time was just on fire for God and if anything was available to do, you're the one that signed up and you was there and, and you was involved and you desired more Word of God and you desired more work of God in your own life and you've kind of faded off of that and now once a week's probably enough. I encourage you to self-evaluate and see where you stand with God and see how these things shine in your life. How are your relationships with fellow, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Are, are you quick to point and run? Are you, are you quick to go the other direction so you can talk to somebody else about instead of going to them and trying to help them get it corrected? How, how do you receive it? That's another part of this. How do you receive it when somebody comes and, and says, Hey, what about this? Do you get defensive? you start lashing out? Or do you receive it as, as though it's from God? Where do you stand? You self-evaluate. You self-evaluate. You decide where you are in this list of characteristics right now and how these things are reflecting on you. Not from what I'm saying, from what Scripture says. You self-evaluate and you address it however God leads you to do so. Whether it's get in this altar and get face down or it's sit in your pew and pray, I don't care how you do it. I just want you to be obedient this morning. There's two things God desires from every one of us all the time. Obedience and dependence. He wants that out of us always. Obedience and dependence. Just be obedient this morning. Just be obedient. Whatever God says, that's what you do.